Welcome to Crime and Reason on TalkZone, bringing you the backstory in high-profile crimes that television leaves out. Now, here are the hosts of Crime and Reason, John Kelly and Leo Badenhausen. Oh, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Crime and Reason. I'm Leo Battenhausen. Hi, everybody. I'm John Kelly, and welcome. Wow, back for another uh, edition of uh, Crime and Reason tonight. We This is part two of what we started last Wednesday, um, identifying the, the facts and versus the fiction of what serial killers are and who they are and what makes them tick. We're also going to be talking later when I get on the hot seat about why we become so fascinated by these monsters, what's the draw, and why is America so addicted to uh, knowing more about these these uh, individuals. But first, we're going to start with some shorts, news shorts of sometimes silly, ridiculous crimes and sometimes things that shouldn't be crimes at all. Take a start us off down in Florida this week. This uh, woman, an Angela Wood Woodworth, 45 years old, she had her 11-year-old son and three of his friends in her car down in Gainesville, Florida. And it's about 8:30 at night. Uh, the woman apparently was well over the intoxicated level. She uh, had drank two pitchers of beer at a bowling alley, and she's got these kids, and she hits a pole. So the kids run into this uh, fast food restaurant, frightened with the, the look of fear on their face, and they, they had the police called and had this woman arrested. Now, you know, you think 2015, what is on this woman's mind where, you know, you, you, she's driving these three children. Uh, this, her son was 11, and I guess his friends were about the same age. And she has the, the audacity to put these kids in a car and drive with them. You know, and these kids knew exactly what was going on. They must have been scared to death. Well, one kid probably has grown up with it, but how do you do this? You need a license in this country to fish. You need a license to drive a car. But you don't need a license to have kids, and apparently we should. This woman's out of her mind. What do you say, John? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this very, very, very sad. Uh, you know, here's a woman who obviously has an alcohol problem, um, just jumps behind the wheel, has no regard for her kids, no regard for herself, no regard for the law. I mean, we see this all the time, and I hope she's in rehab somewhere. Well, let me tell you, she, she got arrested. She was charged with listening to this. Felony child neglect, marijuana possession, possession of drug paraphernalia, and resisting an officer without violence. So, yeah, let her get locked up, and maybe she can get some help. But that's certainly insane behavior. Absolutely insane. And the good news is now the courts have leverage over her. She's going to have to dance to their tune, or she's going to lose her kids and be locked up. Well, let's let's hope. So let's hope uh, the you know the kids are okay too, and uh, thank God they didn't get hurt. Um, and that was another case down in Florida. Now here's a woman who the news put her out, and it makes her sound like she's insane. And I think, or you know, criminally you know, just silly and stupid. But I think this woman truly, truly is mentally ill. Her name's Amy Carter. She's 31. And uh, another case down there in the state of Florida. She was uh, in a residential area. And, uh, jumped on, uh, a car. I had a, a male and a female in the, in the car. And she's like completely naked and started masturbating on the trunk of the car. 
um, I mean, on the hood of the car and slowed down traffic. And, you know, they're, they're, the news is making fun of this one. But, you know, my contention is she's 31, which is uh, about the time when the onset for women uh, and bipolar disorder come up. She would, she was found to have uh, a high level of drugs in her system, strong drugs. They don't have the exact drugs yet or they haven't reported them yet. But here she is on top of this car, you know, masturbating. This isn't funny. This is truly insanity because I've seen this happen many, many times. Sad, uh, sad, sad. Very sad. And, you know, they do self-medicate. And she probably was drinking or, or taking drugs and just, you know, the voices telling her to get up on top of this car and do this. Very sad story, but I hope she gets this some help, too. That's just uh, an interesting piece of news. I think you have something in the news, too, John, don't you? Yeah. Did they lock her up, Leo? Did they lock her up? They did. They did. But that's yeah. usually how uh, it starts. They, you know, they yeah, start- yeah. You know, and that's not a bad thing. So cops sometimes make better clinicians than clinicians do. They know when someone's truly insane versus uh, criminally, uh, you know, deviant. So they'll they'll lock them up sometimes on trumped up charges just to get them help. They'll get them the help they need if they're out on the yeah, street. Get, and, you know. Yeah, that's really really great uh, because you know they can move her. She goes through the system, then they can move her. So she can get the uh, get into a psych unit or something, get the help yeah. she needs. So, but you were right. The, uh, what I have here is really uh, pretty crazy. Uh, this is a tipster who leads cops to a sex slave. Okay, this this uh, was a trucker, and uh, he was at a pilot truck stop in Virginia. And all of a sudden, he's looking at this RV, and he sees this woman's face staring out a window in the RV, and the next thing, she's pulled away, and a black curtain comes down. He still keeps his eye on the RV. He's concerned about the woman. He sees the RV shaking like there's some kind of violence or a fight going on there or whatever. This tipster trucker's name, and God bless him, is Kevin Kimmel. He's quite a hero as far as I'm concerned. He called the cops. He he didn't have to. He could have just went about his way and uh, driven his long-haul truck down the highway. But anyway, um, when the cops came, they showed up. They found this woman bound and actually laying on her back, and uh, they had her tied down to do uh, a sex act. Now, it seems these two people, this man and woman, abducted this gal. And who knows how long they had her. It hasn't come out yet. I've gotten this information from the Daily News. They wrote a nice piece on this. But it happened pretty recently, so there's not a whole lot of uh, whole lot of information on it. And... Um, you know, they had her tied down and in this truck stop, in this recreational vehicle, and they were advertising on Craigslist. Oh, you've got to be and, kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> Here yeah. we go again with this stuff, right? Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. And they're pimping her, they're pimping her off, uh, you know, while she was in this, uh, you know, in this RV and they had her, they had her bonded in there. So, you know, uh, these guys uh, got charged. Uh, she alleges that Aldver Hadza, 36, 
and Laura Severnan, uh, both of Clive, Iowa, had this girl held hostage as a sex slave. How long was she uh, held, John? Do you know? They haven't come out with that yet. And this is what concerns me, because if these two did it to her, then who else have they done it to? I don't think this is their first time out. And, you know, we have uh, over 500 bodies on the highways and byways of the great old USA that the FBI believes uh, uh, that the murders were committed by long-haul truckers or truckers uh, or whoever that frequented truck stops because a lot of these girls were snatched from truck stops. So I'm just wow. wondering where these two guys, where these two people uh, were at for you know the last couple of years. Uh, this goes back. This information from the FBI goes back to 2009. And I think we have more that um, more murders that have been committed on the highways and byways of the United States since 2009. Well, they're just but, too convenient for dumping, aren't they? These highways, we've said that show, one of your Dark Minds episode or two of them, right? Talked about these highway killer. Uh, what was his uh, high name? One of the highway killers. It's just too convenient. The dumping grounds in Texas, uh, these long stri- Canada has a, a roadway that has, you know, uh, nothing on it for miles and miles and miles. The Highway of Tears. That's it. Thank the you. The Highway of Tears. I mean, you, you know, you've got like, you know, 40, 50 women murdered and missing up there. Uh, but it's all around the country. I mean, yeah, yeah, the Highway of Tears is really well known, but this is going on all the way around the country. And, and these, these two people in particular have drawn my attention because they are, as far as I'm concerned, very lust oriented well that's and, where we left and, off last week john you were t- yeah. about to talk about um lust killers and uh that would very pique my interest so uh, are we going to get back to that oh yeah we'll get okay. uh you want to hop into that now or well wait a minute i think you have an email you wanted to address first i don't know if you want to do that first we always want to take care of our callers our email of the week yeah, Mary Ann sent us an email with a, with a great question. Let's take care of that. Hello, Mary Ann. Yeah, Mary Ann, Mary Ann wanted to know a little bit about uh, inadequacy. What are some of the serial killers or psychopaths' triggers that are fueled by inadequacy? We were talking uh, last week about serial killers feeling pretty inadequate, insecure, inferior, and Marianne focused in on the inadequacy. And I'll tell you, for me, I I gave this some thought, and I came up with a couple of answers, and um, certainly there's more, because, you know, with triggers, uh, you have conscious triggers, you have unconscious triggers. Well, could you wait a minute, John? You you came up with some triggers, and can you just explain – to me and to the listeners, what you mean by adequacies and inadequacies, and I guess you're going to get into what triggers are too, right? Yeah. Um, I okay. mean, what, what do you mean about... by inadequacies? No, I just want to, what, what is inadequacy versus adequacy? I look at it like having 
Excuse me. I look at it like having a good self-image, good self-esteem, having confidence in yourself, feeling, you know, you're just as good as anybody else that you come across. Okay. Okay. I I think that's what creates an adequate person. Uh, pretty much them feeling, uh, confident, secure, and, uh, having a good self-esteem about them. With serial killers, they all have a very, very low self-esteem. Don't get me wrong. You have all this narcissism. Okay. It's that, hard to believe they have a low self-esteem when you see what they do, but uh, all right, I'm not going to interrupt, but, you know, they're, and they are narcissistic by all means. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So and, and saying, see, you're saying yeah, there's something under that then, uh, lower self-esteem? Yeah, it's low self-esteem. And what it's covered by is this uh, pathological narcissism, you know, that is their cloak. And, you know, they want to appear to the world like they have everything together, that they have complete power, they have control, they're very smart, they have all the answers. But really underneath it, you have this person that really, really uh, doesn't feel very good about themselves and, and really are, are dancing with inadequacy, insecurity, uh, inferiority, or all of all of the above, you know, it depends. Well, that's true. That that's true with narcissists as well. There's some deep seated self hatred uh, from what the mice research has found out, and it comes across in their their arrogance because that's how they cover it up. Like you said, like a cloak, like the mask of sanity. Yeah, the mask of yeah. sanity, exactly. Right. And I, you've got some of that in your book. You know, your book. Yeah. Uh, you know, social side really focuses on that. It's a great read. So, you know, that's what adequacy is about. Inadequacy right. is feeling less than others and not feeling confident. If you're not feeling confident in yourself and having good self-esteem, then it's very hard for you to have trust because you're always concerned that other people are coming at you for whatever reason. So if you can't have trust, you have to control. Okay. And these guys, they don't trust anybody. They don't truly believe that anybody at all could like them or love them for themselves. Okay. So they, they have no trust in anybody caring about them. And, and a lot of that comes from their, uh, their childhood. Well, that's so that, true in regular relationships too, John. You know, that the, there's no trust in a marriage. There's, there's usually a, a someone trying to control. So that's a smaller scale, of course, but it does exist. With, you're right. That lack of trust does uh, equate to control in many cases. Yeah. So what, so what happens is because they can't trust that nobody would really like them or care about them for themselves. I mean, they this inadequacy causes them to reach out and try and have all this power and control over someone else and thus a victim. And the primary, getting back to the primary question about a, a trigger, something that triggers, that causes or starts to bring this inadequacy forward uh, that they have to turn around and put out immediately is resistance. When I spoke to a couple serial killers, I said, listen, what really angers you yeah, when you what? have a woman, when you're on, when you've hunted down, you've stalked down a woman and you have her in your control zone, what really sets that rage off? And their answer always has been 
resistance. In other words, if the person is resisting, if the woman is resisting, what she's doing is resisting control. And this is a major trigger. When a serial killer or a power and control person starts to see resistance, resistance is another form of rejection, which is another form of abandonment. Now, I'm not saying this guy is realizing this in his mind. All he knows is that this resistance really, really upsets him because it's interfering with his power and control. So it's but not turning him on, it's making him angry. Is that it's, right? It's it's making him more enraged. Now enraged, okay. Some serial killers might be turned on by it. These are the serial killers that are pretty much the lust killers we're going to be talking about who are into bondage and who get a lot of sexual satisfaction and gratification out of seeing someone being tortured and someone suffering. And, you know, that becomes orgasmic for them. But the major trigger here is resistance. That is the major trigger for inadequacy with these guys. They, 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 they are, they are so inadequate. They cannot see anything coming uh, into conflict with their power and their control. And pretty much anything uh, that anybody does, says, or whatever that tries to dilute their power and control, uh, you know, can cause them to flare up. In, I mean, it could be a person on the street that makes a sarcastic comment to them. I mean, it, yeah, you know, yeah. anything. But that's how inadequate and inferior they feel. And, you know, the 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 major triggers of inadequacy are uh, – Something to do with um, the major one is resistance and then any kind of other uh, criticizing remarks or displays. So you're saying these guys, they're very fragile ego shells of a person and anything that threatens their ego uh, when it comes to resistance or abandonment or just uh, their their sense of what they feel they are entitled to can set them off. Absolutely. And so and, they're. And, they're pieces of fragile shells, and they take – this is how they compensate for it, by being murderous monsters? Absolutely, because that's mm-hmm. what they are. You know, if you've heard oh. me talk about my interviews with serial killers, you know, they're like a, a shell of a person, uh, like a robot. They're like a, a soulless object standing in front of you. So a shell of a person's a good analogy, Leo, very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty much right on. And because they can't contrast – because they can't trust, they have to control. Okay, well, that makes sense. What you don't trust, you pretty much try to control. And uh, that has become, you know, one of their, uh, you know, uh, survival or hunting skills. I mean, this is how they protect it, very fragile ego. And they have no idea they're doing this, really. I mean, they know what they're doing, but these underlying no. psych- psycho. Uh, the pathologies, they have no clue as to where No, no, no. And there's really no. no cure for this either, is there? Like, like we talked about last week, besides jail. Yeah, yeah. Either the cage and jail or, or the you crypt. know, the, <laughs> the cage the or the crypt. Yeah. Cage or the crypt is a good way to put it because, you know, serial killers, uh, I have never seen one that has been successfully rehabilitated. Never. Well, no matter how long they're in jail, 
it seems when they get out, they start all, they start the stalking and the hunting and the killing all over again. Mm-hmm. Very much the narcissist. There's uh, really no cure for that. And as we know, you know, the American Psychiatric Association wants to get rid of that whole diagnosis, but that's another show because it's too common in the world today. Mm-hmm. Are you, or let me have, we had a couple more questions I wanted to ask you from last week's show too. Yeah. Are all serial killers, are they insane or evil geniuses? What, when, what, yeah, there's, there's, you know, uh, that, the one subtype we talked about, the visionary, you could look at them as being insane or being in a uh, psychotic type of break with their, Murdering these usually are slashers, and no way uh, are all serial killers uh, geniuses. Are they evil? Yes. <laughs> is yes. it evil? Mm-hmm. Is it evil energy that we're seeing that they are perpetrating on another human being? Absolutely. Are they geniuses? No. I've met smart serial killers, and I've met serial killers that are dumb as rocks, and you know who are just lucky. Okay. Now, talk once we're going to get into that lust killers, right? Yeah. When we get that, before we forget about that, because that's very interesting to me. I want to know what that's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What lust, is that? A lust killer is a subtype of a serial killer that uh, derives extreme pleasure from watching another human being or victim suffer. Uh, they like to see them in fear. They usually uh, have them in some type of bondage kind of situation, whether it's, you know, they're tied down or they're, you know, confined in a room or locked in a room. But they really get off and they get orgasmic pleasure out of just seeing the person in complete horror and fear. And and they really, really get uh, turned on by the person suffering. They love to see their victims suffer. Like I said before, this is very, very orgasmic to them. I'll, I'll give you a couple examples so you know. The Hillside Stranglers in California, uh, that was Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Bono. They're cousins, I mean, these, right? Yeah, cousins. they were cousins, yeah. right on. Yeah, they tortured and killed 10 women and then dumped their bodies on the hillsides in California. So they're known as the Hillside Stranglers. But they were very well known for torturing their victims because when these victims would be found, they would have burns on them, they would have cuts on them, they would bru- have bruises on them. And you know what they would have on them? Restraints. You would be able to see restraint marks. And whenever you see restraint marks, that's a clear sign that you're probably dealing with the lust killer because they they want to keep you bonded, they want to keep you restrained to inject the fear, suffering, and then eventually mm. murder and torture of you. Yeah, it, it, it's a... Yeah, they're very much into torturing and killing. Then another one we have, who's very famous, is Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. uh, you know, the Milwaukee cannibal, if you'd like. Yeah. What he liked to do is he liked to use chemicals to get somebody drunk and or out of it and get them sedated, bring them over to his house. In fact... He'd, he'd have them come over to the house, maybe while they were sober, he'd fix a nice cocktail for them, he'd put some uh, sedatives in there, 
and then they would start to nod off. When they would start to nod off, he would bind their hands, and then he would tell them that he was going to torture and kill them and cut them up and then eat them. Okay, now, uh, you know, this, this is how he exerted his gratification, his sexual gratification, by creating and injecting all these, all this fear and terror into these men. Okay. And, uh, you know, what he'd also put on, I think you'll find this interesting. He was infatuated and loved Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3. So while he had them bound, while he was telling them this, while he was creating all this fear in them and torturing them, he was making them watch Exorcist 3 <laughs> on his smaller television. All right. No end to the the sickness and the yeah, yeah, unreal, yeah. unreal, unreal. Yeah, and we're looking we're looking here at seventeen men that we know of that he did this to, and some of them he ate. Okay, yeah. Now the the last one I want to bring up in this subtype is the killer clown John Wayne Gacy. Oh, hang on okay. a second, Sean. I think we have to take a quick break, and we'll okay. cover John Wayne okay. Gacy, the killer John clown. John Wayne Gacy, coming up, the and killer we'll, clown. Yeah. Hang on, everybody. We'll be right back. We are raising a generation of techno-savvy and social media-obsessed kids. There's a lack of real human connection and concern for our fellow man. Social side, how America is loving itself to death by licensed clinical social worker Leo J. Battenhausen explores the new generation of young people and how they are turning into godless people with narcissistic and psychopathic tendencies. Americans have become so obsessed with themselves that their country's once great bedrock of dignity and respect is crumbling from underneath us right before our eyes. Isn't it time that we regained our confidence in spirituality and the existence of a higher power? This and so much more is explored in the book Social Side, How America is Loving Itself to Death by licensed clinical social worker Leo J. Battenhausen. Social Side is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, FaithBooksAndMore.com, and SocialSideInfo.com. Social Side, How America is Loving Itself to Death by Leo J. Battenhausen. Now, back to John and Leo for more Crime and Reason on TalkZone.com. And we are back to Crime and Reason. I'm Leo Battenhausen, here with my partner, John Kelly. And we were just discussing John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, a very popular serial killer in America today. So what we got with him, John? What were you doing? Oh, you know, I mean, I got to tell you, if somebody ever needed killing, this guy did, and I'm glad they executed him. But anyway, John Wayne Gacy was very much, John Wayne Gacy was very, very much, uh, you know, the lust killer. I mean, he loved to grab young boys that he would pick up at bus stations or hitchhiking. And he would want to bring them to his house. And when he'd bring them to his house, he would smoke marijuana with them. He would uh, have some alcohol with them. And what he tried to do is, and, and he was another one that would give them uh, a nice cocktail uh, with sedatives in it. 
Nice. So he wanted, but he didn't want to knock them out too much. He wanted to keep them just kind of a little off their game because his his whole thing was to tie them up uh, to a big post he had in his house. He was a contractor. He really knew how to work with tools. And then he would stare into their eyes and tell them he was going to kill them. And he would approach them with various tools to create a lot of fear. Uh, he'd love to see the fear in their eyes. He'd love to see the the blood just turning, coming out of their, their veins and them turning white. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. He, and, and when he would have them there, uh, he would torture them for a long period of time. He liked to uh, strangle them, cut them. Bring them, uh, put them out of uh, reality, cause them to be unconscious through strangulation with this uh, torture chamber he had set up, then bring them back to life. And the bottom line was that uh, in the end, he would kill them and then he would bury them in his cellar. But he he got a, an awful lot of uh, intense, I'll call it intense, not only immense, but intense pleasure from you know, seeing the fear uh, in in these per- people's eyes and in their faces while he tortured and murdered them, and he and we got thirty three. We know of with him. We got thirty three bodies, thirty three young teenage boys that we know he killed. Twenty six of which he buried under his house in the, in a crawl space. Now, wasn't he married? Didn't the wife see any of this or the smell anything? Was he married? He was he was married and divorced. Um, and the wife was not living there okay. uh, around the time that this took place. But he, here's a real moronic kind of guy. You know, he turned around, talking about a moron serial killer, he turned around and had the cops in, said, hey, come on in, you can look around, there's nothing here. Now, he got used to the smell of the place, you know, and uh-huh. if you're in a place long enough that smells, eventually that smell doesn't bother you anymore. Well, the cops went in there, they got one whiff, and they said, whoa, what's going on in this house? There's bodies in here somewhere. This is this smells horrible in here. It smells like yeah. death. And then they went and got a search warrant and dug up his house and arrested him. Well, see, there, there's the tragic flaw. But what you're like, right, what a moron. You know, yep. he doesn't smell that stuff. I'm wondering if anybody even smelled it on him. But this, this is not, that's just crazy. You know, and these are the type of people, These like, you've done a great job explaining what they do. You know, but there's a fascination in America with these people. We make them celebrities, even. I mean, they get notoriety for this kind of sadistic, evil crime and murdering people. And look at the watching the Exorcist 3, eating them, resisting and stabbing them, torturing them, posing them. You know, this, that's, that's where I come in. You know, yeah, what, what's what? this all about, Leo? What is the fascination? I, I'm going to put you on uh, the hot seat a little bit here. I'm going to quiz you a little bit. What is the fascination with serial killers in America, Leo? Tell me. Well, all right. Well, it's basically, to me, it's, the, the wow is in the why, John. The mm-hmm. wow factor is definitely in the why. You know, what we wonder, what makes them do what they do? You know, it's not even about the victims, unfortunately. It's about the puzzle these people present. You know, and the, the the human human emotions and and human motives that would make somebody do this type of thing. Mm-hmm. We get fascinated by this. It's such it's such so on the border of regular human behavior. It's almost like they're 
you know, they're out of creatures that are inhuman. And I think this fascinates many of us. You know, a lot of us like to be scared. We like to go to uh, think about the boogeyman and all this uh, other type of scary things. But uh, we, I think a lot of people wonder, how did they get this way? You know, why do they kill? Why do they, why do they do it so gruesomely? You know, and like I said, they live at the outer boundaries of, of the human condition, you know, and realities that resist our understanding or normal people's understanding. So that fascination is, I think that's the bottom line of all of this. It's just, they're so incredibly evil. It's hard not to buy or find interest in this, in these people. Yeah. What do we get out of that fear? You know, like being scared, you know, going to watching these kinds of guys and hearing about them and seeing them act down and going to horror films. I mean, what does that create? Adrenaline or? Yeah, I mean, it does. Well, for, for the normal person, you know, uh, scary movies can create a lot of adrenaline. We, we like, we like to be, uh, we like the surprise element. We like to be shocked, you know, and then. Right, right, but, right. But, Part of us know it's just the movie, okay? Yeah. You know, but then there's the other type of, of viewer that likes the really gory cut and slash, slash em up kind of shows where it's like really all violence and, and disgusting violence. They don't, these are not the movies where there's like a plot and we get to get inside the criminal's mind as to what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like, you know, TV shows like Dexter are a huge hit. You know, he's a fictional serial killer, but he's a serial killer that kills bad killers. So, but, um, that we do, we get the we, the shock value. We like to be scared, but the ones who watch the, the the blood, guts, and gore movies, these are guys that they that studies have shown you know, can become much more narcissistic and much more dangerous to uh, the people around them, and the more more aggressive and more you know just more damaging, and potentially become you know murderers themselves. Maybe not serial killers, but rapists and 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 just terrible people. They have a taste for all this blood and guts and gore is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, most people like to be scared. They don't, but that's not the scary thing. You know, the other crowd is the one that likes the psychological scare and ghosts mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the murderer behind the tree, you know, and the, the shock value. And, but uh, not the blood, guts and gore so much. Those are there's really two completely different types of fascination when it comes to movie viewers. But um, for the regular, for normal people, you know, most of us do like to be scared. And, yeah, there's uh, a, there's obviously a market out there. Yeah. Well, the media certainly influences uh, our interest too in these in serial killers. You know, they, they they give them names, the Zodiac Killer. You know, you know all the names, uh, the Son of Sam, BTK, the Green River Killer. We we, we glorify them on the, the news, and this is fascinating to I mean, many people. You know, what's what he going to do next? Who's he going to kill next? Like I said, it's not even about the victims. It's about who this guy is. And I'm, I think we all want them to get caught. You know, that, that's underlying... Um, a lot of our, our, our fascination, but we want to know more about them. You know, we want to know. Right, right, how, right. How do, who were they? Where, how did they grow up? You know, how do you know, what do they look like? You know, and I think that's really a, a big draw too. But the media is a, a major, major culprit in, in, in drawing us into this fascination, you know, and the media meaning, uh, the television, news, movies, books. Sure, Hollywood know. grabs it. Hollywood first, yeah. the news media picks it up, then Hollywood grabs it. Yeah, and then they become infamous throughout history. They, you know, everybody will always remember, you know, Ted Bundy or the Green River Killer or Son of Sam. Or, I mean, those names will live in infamy. 
Well, and think about this, John. You know, there's there's museums of crime and of serial killers, okay? People go to see this stuff. Ted, Ted Bundy's white Volkswagen bug is sitting in a museum for people to come see. The oh, my is- God. I, you know, I never yeah. really pay any attention to that. That's so interesting. Talk about it, Leo. Um, okay. This is, you know, it's become like a piece of Americana, these people. Okay. <laughs> and they, it has. And you know, people on, on eBay are buying um, John Wayne Gacy that you spoke of. Where people <laughs> were buying his pictures, his pictures of clowns. What kind of creep does that? You know, they're buying their fingernail pieces. Okay, the serial killers selling their stuff on eBay, fingernail pieces, their worn clothes, their letters, you know, pieces of their hair. You know, this is a sick fascination in America. And what makes that happen is it, it, people want a piece of Americana. Remember when, um, uh, when, uh, John, John F. Kennedy was assassinated, people were grabbing pieces of his skull. Okay, yeah. just we are very demented, <laughs> and when it comes to the macabre, we want pieces of things that uh, belong to a, a horrible event, like the John List. John List here in New Jersey, he killed oh, yeah. his whole family yeah, yeah. back in the seventies. Remember, he yeah. disappeared for like, I think yeah. eighteen years. People yeah. before his house was burned down, people were grabbing pieces of that house. We want to have this stuff, um, and I do believe it has something to do with the, the fame. These people have, have 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 gotten for themselves through their madness and through their evil, and then we want a piece of Americana to to own, and it's really creepy. You know who would want this stuff? But there's a lot of people out there. There's quite a market. This stuff sells for lots of money. You and and no wonder these guys, these serial killers in prison, are selling their artwork. Oh yeah, they're selling their artwork. They get bags and bags of love letters too. There, John. Wow. Yeah, well, the thing is, too, we have – the media has made it very um, clear or pushed on us, let me put it that way, that it's it's over – over above and beyond, it's the white males that we are infatuated with. Well, I say we, it's mostly women. Um, but, you know, the media has made the white male – the attracted, attractive serial killer to society. And even though there are many other denominations of killers, as you mentioned, I think last week, you know, we have the African American serial killers. We, I'm sure there's many other types, um, you know, uh, Asian and, and what have you. It's the white male. And because they, the, from what I've understood is the white, we, the killer, you tell me if this is right. What the, the serial killers will kill mostly within their race. Is that true? Yeah, for the for the most part, that is uh, true, and it's very interesting you're in this direction. Yes, uh, for the most part. But, huh, I, you know, the, what a serial killer told me is that, look, and if I can't get my victim of choice, uh, a victim is better than no victim at all. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, but there's they probably have a selection of absolutely. Uh, they leave a trail of corpses, and uh, it, when it comes to the media, and we see this every night on television, uh, it's the white, pretty white girl that's either been murdered, kidnapped, or somehow hurt by a criminal that gets the ratings. You know, mm-hmm. and that's I'm um, I'm not making any statements on either side, but that's what we as a society expect to see, and that's the stuff that lures us in. So right. we go for these serial killers that have been the perpetrators of slaughtering pretty white girls, prostitutes or, or otherwise. 
you know, and the younger the better. And it's really, really sick how the, the news capitalizes on this and how we suck it up. You know, we we don't support it, but we and we were entertained by it. You That's know, in a, in a yeah. right, a very macabre, a very macabre way. You know, we're going to museums to see what they've done. We're they're buying pieces of what these men can do. We want to marry them. You know, that's really another whole piece of, you talk about psychosis, these women that want to marry these guys, and some of them do, you know, they need therapy. They don't need to go <laughs> marry these psychopaths, these serial killers. They need like years in therapy. John, they Psycho need years and therapy. years of therapy, these wackadoos. And you know what? They, we and the news today. We, there's so, shootings are common, correct? There's, there's twenty nine thousand shootings a day in this country. We've become so oh, des right, so desensitized to crime in general that when something like uh, this, a serial killer comes along, that, there's something we can you know sink our teeth into. This is big news that these girls, this beautiful white girls, missing or you know found posed on the side of the road. Really wild stuff, but the, the women who go for these guys—that's that's a real sick. You know, there's a name for them. Yeah, what is that, Leo? What's the name? For <laughs> John, you won't believe this. <laughs> I, you know, this took a lot of digging, but I found out there is an actual diagnosis. It's called hybristophilia. 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 Okay. Correct. What is it? This is a paraphilia in which your sexual arousal, facilitation, and attainment of orgasm are responsive to, and I'm reading this, responsive to and contingent upon being with a partner known to have committed an outrage, cheating, lying, known infidelities, or crimes such as rape, murder, or armed robbery. Okay, wow. this is also known as the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. Whoa, the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. Well, Hybristophilia, wow. Hybristophilia, yeah. because, you know, Bonnie was a big, uh, she suffered hybristophilia, obviously, and jumped right in there. Because that's part of it. If they, they can be part of the action. That's yeah. part of the motivation yeah. for these, for, it's women, you know, by and large, it's women. Very interesting, Leo. Very interesting. Well, this, Go ahead, continue. Yeah. Drags us on. This is why these Yoren uh, Vandersloot has and Charles Manson have they have bags of bags of love letters and Scott Peterson, another whack job, you unbelievable, know, killed his wife out and on Christmas Eve while he went fishing. Yeah, right. But um, these are women that are really suffering. You talk about low self esteem. These women have zero zip, nothing, uh, and and they they've somehow been hurt in their past. You know they then. Or they they suffer from what we also known as, and I discussed this in my first book, defeating depression, the uh, the savior, the, the savior theory, where women feel like, and most again, no offense towards women, but this usually is a female a trait um, for people in relationships. They believe they can change a man, even as cruel and powerful as a serial killer. They have that real belief that they can make a difference in this person's life. You know, yeah, that's it. Right, it's you've seen sick. it. We've all Absolutely. seen it. Absolutely, absolutely. It 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 is it is sick. Like you said, they need a lot of therapy. You know. <laughs> I, I just wanted to ask you on this Scott Peterson you brought up, Leo. This is this because he was really a son of a bitch. Yeah, you're not kidding. I, you know, uh, was wasn't his wife pregnant as well or no? John, she was nine months, pre eight, eight, nine, yeah. eight. I think eight months pregnant. They took more, more closely to nine. That the pressure was on. He did not want that kid. He did not want to be a father. You know, and he killed her he was, on Christmas. He killed her on Christmas Eve. And who wow, the hell? Wow! Wow! 
Who the hell goes fishing? This guy's some piece of work. Fishing 70 miles away from your house when you got an eight month, uh, eight month old wife pregnant at home on Christmas Eve. I went fishing. This is talk about moron. You know, yeah, moronic he, murderer. Yeah, there he is. Was, you know, and then who knows if he'd become a serial killer, but this guy was sleeping around. Talk about, he was like the quintessential narcissist, you know, in my opinion. I followed that case very closely. I'm glad they locked his ass up. But here he is getting love letters. He's probably loving it in jail. I think he might have even gotten married already to a, his, to a high bristophiliac. <laughs> Another one the, of them. The moronic murderer. Yeah, well, there he is. But she was pregnant. Yeah, very sad case. Um, but you know, the other thing that they, 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 some of these women, they, they see the little boy behind the criminal, okay? They can, yeah. uh, they, they want to seek him and now nurture him. You know, very motherly. You know, they, they see the little boy behind him and then I can help him. You know, I mean, he just needs me. You know, or, you know, they hope to share like, like Bonnie did with the Bonnie Clyde case, Bonnie Parker. She wanted to share in the media. Some of them want to share in the media spotlight. Oh, yeah, they get a taste of fame, yeah, or infamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Or they want to, you know, have a, get a movie or a book deal. They want in. So that's mm-hmm. a really, really, uh, talk about manipulative or narcissistic, um, high bristophiliac, but that's what they're into on some levels. You know, and then there's the notion of the, uh, having the perfect boyfriend. A lot of women have been hurt many, many, many times, been cheated on. Here's a guy she knows where he is at all times. He's spitting behind bars. You know he's not cheating. He's thinking about her. You know, and while she, uh, she can claim that someone loves her, she doesn't have to endure the, the, you know, the day-to-day issues involved in the relationship. So these How about her like narcissism? How about her narcissism about and it. her control? Her control. She's she's got this guy completely controlled in one way or another. Or is that their goal? You know, to have control over these guys completely. Well, I'm sure that's that's part of it too. Like you mentioned before, if you can't trust, you have to control. So that's, there you go. You know, they if they can't trust and they haven't trusted men in so long, you know, there's a way to control this guy. She can keep that fantasy up and charge with him for a long time if he's sitting behind bars. She can you know get on the news and if she wants to. I mean, this is that's one part of it. But I think for the most part, a lot of these women are just very lonely, lonely, sick. Sick women that, that really, really need years of psychotherapy to, to get a real, get a grip. But this is again a part of the fascination in this country with, with these monsters. Why do we love these monsters and want pieces of their fingernails for goodness sake? Because it's a, the part of his serial killers, as we know, are mostly an American product. So it's pieces of history. And Bonnie and Clyde's car was torn to pieces too, by the way. People took all that pieces of the car seat and the, 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 the bullets and everything from that scene. That, so this is nothing new. You know, Americans have been fascinated with collecting criminal memorabilia for years and years and years. And you want to talk about, you know, literal psychotherapy, Ben. I keep saying it because it's, you know, I mean, it makes so much sense. I mean, these, these women are tied up with these psychos, but yet they want to control these psychos who are completely focused on 
you know, power and control. So it's uh, some kind of dance. Do you see any kind of dance going on there? Well, yeah, I do, because you know, some of the – it's been you – know, these mental health – some of the mental health experts that have compared this infatuation with killers that women have to extremes, extreme forms of, like, fantasism. You know, they view – they say these mental health experts see women as, as insecure females – you know, who can't find love in normal ways or, or, and they're like love avoidant. Right, you know? right. Okay. So they seek, they seek romantic relationships that, that can't be con- consummated or, um, you know, otherwise, uh, really a real relationship. And it's kind of like, you know, when people make, uh, connections on, of, um, uh, on, on, uh, internet sites and things that never meet in real life. Right. It's right. safe. It's safe. You know, it's yeah. you can't hurt. Gotcha. Me. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm okay over here. And, uh, so there's a lot to this stuff, you know, and explanations just, uh, run rampant, but it's very interesting. You know, they're, they're like the, uh, serial killers to some women are like the alpha male, you know, the alpha male that will live on the edge, the, the ultimate bad boy, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate, Man, which is completely not what they are. No, but this is true. Yeah, this I know. Is, I know, yeah. but it's funny. It's well, funny. you gotta. I mean, if yeah. you don't laugh, what do you do? Yeah. You gotta cry. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And you know what? It's like I've got the ultimate bad boy, the man of my dreams. Yeah. So what? He's doing time, and he's confined in a cage, and he's never getting out. Mm-hmm. I have him. He's mine. It's pretty wild, yeah. you know, it's- with this whole. Plus, you know, underneath it, as you were talking about this uh, savior complex. Yeah, yep. And that and that's a day-to-day thing. And there's a lot of women with that that aren't only after serial killers. They are, they're after, you know, the dregs of society when in men. And they'll, they'll pick a guy that will drain them dry, criminals or drug addicts, alcoholics, uh, other treaters. You know, they'll try to fix. That's it's a womanly instinct, but... You know, I mean, you really got to take a look at that. And they'll repeat that process over and over and over again, trying to, to fix a guy. You know, and I always said, you know, go into a relationship needing fixing. You know, you should be fixed, and then you want to look for a relationship. But that's not what love is about. We all know that. Yeah, um, what's love? What's love got to do with it? You know? I don't know. Because <laughs> here's, here's the other question for you, Lee. You've seen this. I mean, we're talking about serial killers here, and we're talking about pure, the purest of the pure psychopaths, okay? I mean, this is, they don't get any purer than this with psychopathy. True. But we also, you have seen many men who don't become complete psychopaths, but they're extremely narcissistic, and we'll even call them pathological narcissists. Okay, mm-hmm. and you've counseled couples and women uh, that have had to put up with these guys, and these guys are completely about control. They may never go out and kill anybody, right? But for any of their relationships, you know, they're very focused. Uh, they don't have relationships; they take hostages, right? Yes, absolutely. They got a slave at home. You know, and keep a slave in the house and, and completely at will and submitting to him is the ultimate requirement for him. If you deviate from that, he, he, they get very passive aggressive. They can make you feel guilty, terrible, um, useless, 
unlovable, unneeding. You know, there's a really sick that talk about a dance that goes on. That goes on. <laughs> and you know, sometimes as a therapist, you want to grab the woman and say, "Get the hell out." Run. There's no fixing this. Do you understand? Run. <laughs> Run. Don't walk. It's your life. <laughs> it's the blob. Yeah. <laughs> sad, but it's, it is but, sad. I mean, we laugh at it, but it's very sad because we know there are much more dysfunctional families, and we know there's much, much more domestic abuse going on physically and mentally yes. in this country than there are serial killers. I mean, and to me, it's, yeah, absolutely. But what's really sad is when you hear, and it's, it's again, it's mostly women that say this, um, I'd rather be physically abused than emotionally abused. It doesn't hurt as much. And, uh, you know, that's so interesting. Talk about that. Well, that's how... That's how delicate and sensitive we are as people. Physical pain we can fix. You know, we can put a Band-Aid on something. We could put a splint on a broken bone. You know, bruises go away. When you start attacking and viciously, viciously attacking um, a person's brain, heart, and feelings over and over and over again, you're killing them and their sense of self-esteem and their sense of personhood and who they are over and over and over again so maybe there's serial emotional serial killers out there that do this to to women and women that's can do an this interesting to men as well. term that's a great term that's interesting right because they, there's no uh, they are killing them and you know how much work it takes to deprogram some of these victims of such abuse and then it's, it just breaks your heart to hear somebody say i'd rather be physically abused than emotionally abused and that's becoming a very uh, a very common statement which shouldn't even exist but it does and it's very upsetting to me because you see the other side of that coin is PTSD, post-traumatic stress. And even though they're saying I'd rather be physically abused and emotionally abused, that physical abuse at some point and, 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 and at some level inside their psyche is going to relate to emotional abuse because you don't kick a dog, let alone you are kicking supposedly the one you love or your wife or however it goes. So emotional abuse, even though they may not right away completely understand or a physical abuse, uh, is, is, is definitely going to spawn Emotional abuse. And when I was over in, in England in the 90s, I was on a subway and there was a sign. It said, the deepest scars are the scars you cannot see. And that's that makes, relating exactly what you're saying. Exactly. That makes perfect, perfect sense. Which brings us uh, to our next topic, I think, John, for next week. I want to talk about stalkers. Because you Boy, talk about it. Emotional abuse. These guys potentially are, are lethal killers too, as you know. Oh, but that's, absolutely. That stalking is such a psychological freaking trip. These guys and women, okay, it's equal opportunity on this one, will put somebody through yeah. when they can't get what they want. Or if somebody gets the balls up enough to say, get the hell out of my house, we're done. And they don't want that. They're going to yeah. keep on it and stalk and stalk and stalk until you're a mental patient yourself. So yeah, they're we're... very ext extremely obsessed. You're talking about deep obsession. Go ahead, Leo. 
I'm just saying, that's going to be our topic for next week. We're almost out of time here, but I think we really need to explore that too because that really affects a lot of people, you know, in our, in our country today. So I think we can talk about that and maybe help, uh, Help some people out when they're in situations where they're being stalked. I find How about your guys- book? How about your book, Social Side? And we're talking about online stalking. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is even worse sometimes. You know, they'll find you. These, in the, this is what uh, uh, technology has enabled <laughs> these, these minds to get to you. They could find you anywhere these days. And certainly stalk you online. Little, you know, little children are being stalked online. We know that. And it's just, a, it's an ongoing issue and it's just getting worse. And this is, the, speaks to the uh, detriment of the human social's condition today where we can get into people's personalities and, and, and lifestyles and lives just by the click of a button and how frightening that can really be. You don't know. You don't no, know you don't. You don't know who's watching. See, that's exactly. the thing. They, they don't have to be outside your house watching. They can be watching you online. You don't know who's watching today. They can be watching you from different directions because of the technology. Absolutely. Yeah. At some point, I guess we want to uh, focus on the overall stalking picture. Maybe next week that's what we'll do because I think it's a, I think it's a great topic out there. Well, I guess we're out of time for this week, John. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Please uh, visit us at crimeandreason.com. That's crimeandreason.com. Until next week, we'll see you soon. Stay safe.